0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here. Today on the show, my good friend, Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits as well as Social Security Disability Benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he's most recently appeared as a guest of uh, of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security Disability Benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. Francis has been featured on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox network affiliates around the country. He has also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge, Who's Who? Francis was honored by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quilley Award for his contribution as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. Also in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, you can find out more about Francis and his team at veteransbenefits.com. That's veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks, Bert. I always uh, enjoy the
1: opportunity to chat with you.
0: Hey, you know, before we get started, I wanted to I wanted to ask you this. Uh, what drew you to this type of law? I mean, because, you know, th- from what I understand, I mean, first of all, veterans law Uh, you have a smaller pool of people, Uh, you know, you're dealing with the government, which is never, never easy, as opposed to personal injury law where you have a much larger pool, uh, you know, and and, um, so what was the draw? What what was the thing that got you to to go for veterans' disability benefits? Well, it was a combination
1: of things, Bert. Um, When I was a kid uh, in, in high school, My dad, who was a World War II vet, had some serious health issues and ended up going to the VA. And, you know, they they helped him out with his health issues and so on, but he was never able to go back to work after that. And nobody ever talked to him about benefits. So years later, um, you know, as as you know, I was uh, practicing uh, before they created the uh, opportunity for lawyers to help veterans back in 1988. And I was asked um, to uh, do an appeal, and I I was doing a lot of appellate work at that time, so I thought nothing of that, and said, sure, you know, I'll take this appeal. And then it uh, was in D.C., and the court, when I started digging into all the stuff I needed to file uh, was not the D.C. Court of Appeals where I thought the case was, but was this new court I'd never heard of called the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. So I jumped through all the hoops and got myself uh, accredited and, you know, admitted to the bar of the court. And it was fascinating, this was a court birth that at that time essentially had one volume of presidential cases. one. Uh, one vet one app, in fact. <laughs> and <laughs> well, I, you know, I read through some of those cases, trying to find some precedent for what I was doing. There wasn't any, and we looked around for other precedents, and uh, we found some decisions by the various. Um, Service branch, um, JAG, um, uh, you know, um, uh, systems, and uh, um, the uh, the various judge advocate generals for the uh, uh, the Navy, Army, and so on have uh, have some published opinions, and that's what we ended up working with, along with some regular. Uh, general civil cases on presumptions and so on because this issue involved a presumption. But uh, we did the oral argument and won it for this poor widow that was being denied benefits and I thought you know this is really pretty neat. And so uh, we started doing some of those cases as they came along and it uh, over the years Slowly developed into a uh, a bigger part of our practice, and then in in 2012 we really started trying to to uh, to focus in on this area and and, and build the the, uh, the practice in in this particular area. And I'm happy to say that we've we've had quite a bit of success with that. But I never forgot that it was my dad that the VA. It was obvious to them he wasn't going back to work. It was obvious to us he wasn't going back to work. And nobody ever said a word to him about his benefits. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to see that happen to other people. And we've we've really tried over the years to make sure that people that we dealt with knew what their possible benefits were. And to the greatest extent that we could, we helped them get those benefits. Because I, I didn't want to see anybody else left in the situation that my parents got left in
0: yeah that that is extraordinary That that is uh interesting how things worked out uh and, and i think that's you know for lack of better terms that is um a great example of taking a lemon and turning it into a lemonade i mean it, it seems almost like uh destiny in one sense um because but for that experience with your parents or your father specifically you would not even known about this area of law or you would not have known it as well
1: yeah and i i probably wouldn't have uh paid much attention to it in all honesty but given given my background it resonated with me
0: sure Sure. All right. So uh, let's move on. I, I have a question. I know a while back there was a lawsuit, uh, some kind of uh, federal lawsuit or, or, or um, uh, class action regarding the 3M uh, earplugs because apparently they were defective and they were causing hearing loss. Has there been any progress on this lawsuit?
1: Yeah, that's actually an interesting question, Bert. Um, this is a an odd uh, piece of litigation the the way this works it's not technically a class action uh, it's what's called multi district litigation but when the uh, when the federal courts have a whole bunch of lawsuits that raise essentially the same issue scattered all around the country, they have a provision in the rules for the court to centralize all the cases under a single judge who manages what they call this multi-district litigation. And that's what's happened with with this uh, 3M litigation. A judge in Pensacola, Florida, uh, Judge Rogers, is the one who's been put in charge of this particular uh, collection of lawsuits. And there are approximately a quarter of a million cases around the country uh, that have all been centralized uh, in uh, in Pensacola under Judge Rogers' uh, direction. And the way this works, it's it's really kind of fascinating. Um, What they do, because it's not really practical to try 250,000 different lawsuits, um, the plaintiffs Pick a group, if you will, of cases, and uh, you could think of them as test cases. What they do is they they try um, those cases. Typically, to a jury, and in, in these cases, to a jury can can be to a judge, but in this case, to a jury. And so far, they have tried um, thirteen different. Um, cases where the plaintiffs won, and three where the defendant won. And the idea of, of doing this group of trials is to give both sides a sense of what the likely outcome is going to be. So here, as you can see, if you take 16 and the plaintiffs win 13 times, it tells 3M that they don't really have a good track record here, and they probably ought to settle um, these uh, these suits so that's that's the purpose of these kind of bellwether um, trials is to is to help lawyers on both sides understand how juries are going to see these cases and what they're looking at in terms of potential damages so so far um the uh, the way it's worked out is that over these 13 cases, uh, the juries have awarded 300 million dollars. Wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, what what it's telling GM, uh, sorry 3M, is that they're they're looking at serious serious dollars here, and so they tried an interesting maneuver. They uh, consolidated a bunch of these cases and assigned them to a particular subsidiary of GM um, and then they tried to put that uh, subsidiary into bankruptcy and that helped them get rid of the cases right but um, judge Rogers said um, no they' They're, not, uh, they're not, not getting away with that trick. So uh, that's, that's where things stand now. The uh, 3M has, has learned that they're gonna get um, probably uh, a, a large number of unfavorable jury verdicts if they go to trial in these cases, that the damages are potentially quite large. And that they're not going to get away with uh, trying to uh, shift the burden to one of its subsidiaries, which is uh, Aero Technologies. They tried to uh, put that into bankruptcy in Indiana and essentially dump the, uh, the cases that way. So uh, it's now at a point where, in all probability, 3M is going to put some serious money into a settlement proposal, and the uh, there will be a multi district litigation settlement. But I mean, you, you you never know. They they may still opt to try these case by case, but that's extremely unlikely given what's happened so far.
0: Yeah, and and it doesn't again based on their track record. It's it's possible that they're going to win a few more and 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 lose a lot more. So they're not really going to save any money. Uh, but uh, I have to, you know, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to say it's a good try, but certainly you could see their strategy by putting all the, li- you know, putting all the liability into a different business or corporation entity and then, you know, being able to file bankruptcy. Uh, we would all love to do that. I think that. Uh, maybe 30 40 50 years ago that probably would have they probably would have gotten away with it but i think things have changed so much that uh those kind of shenanigans or strategies are no longer uh, you know accepted i mean uh, i believe uh, former president trump tried to do the same thing with one of his um, one of his uh, litigations and um I, you know, I think the judge did the same thing. You're, you just can't get away with that. Well, the
1: uh, the model that they were using, uh, I'm sure you you'll remember. Um, years ago, there was all the uh, asbestos litigation, and uh, Johns Manville, the uh, uh, manufacturer of all the asbestos uh, roof shingles, uh, ended up uh, with uh, with that. Um, they you know, they, they it wasn't wasn't a trick on their part. They they genuinely went bankrupt because of the uh, the expense of all the lawsuits. But right. but that was where that's where the model came from. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been tried. Uh, I think uh, multiple times. These guys aren't the first. Won't be the last. Uh, all right. So um, you know, here he is. Here we are. Brand new year, 2023. Uh, and it struck me that uh you know you and i have talked multiple times in the past about uh the va's computer system and how archaic it is and 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 what's interesting to me is this was the same excuse that the faa used just uh was it a week or two ago where uh I think it was just a week ago where they had to cancel, I don't know if it was like 4,000 flights or 40,000 flights. Anyway, a bunch of flights were canceled due to to the FAA's computer system that they had some kind of glitch in there. Uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but our federal government, who seems to spend a lot of money in a lot of different areas for whatever reason, constantly neglect their own computer system. So. This is a long way of asking you, has there been any talk of, about modernizing the computer system for the VA healthcare system?
1: Well, yes, Bert, there has. But uh, you hear an interesting point about the government and its uh, computer systems. You know, we, we really, <laughs> it, it's, it's really kind of crazy. The, the, it's a two-part problem. One is that the, the government has a, a very, Complicated procurement system, so that it's difficult for them to just go out and buy uh, software or or even buy customized software. It, just to give you some examples, the FAA uh, program that you were talking about runs in a 1960s computer language known as COBOL that they don't even sure. mention. <laughs> If you think that's bad, so does the nuclear program that the President has for launching nuclear missiles. It still uses floppy disks.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And the v a, to their credit, has done better than a lot of other agencies <laughs> Excuse me. they have uh, they've worked on updating and upgrading they They still have some systems that are in COBOL, just so you know. But um, what has happened recently, uh, the, uh, the Congress got themselves together and passed a bill called the Strengthening VA Cybersecurity Act of 2022, which uh, they passed on December 27th and has now been signed by the president. And what it calls for is in two parts. One is an audit of um, the security of all the VA's um, um, computer internet-based programs, and in addition, it calls for a review of uh, the entire IT system and what needs to uh, needs to be done to make it uh, modern and effective, and so that really. Uh, is a, a an opportunity that I think the VA will seize on to move forward. They have. I you have to you have to give the VA leadership some credit. Over the last few years, they have really tried hard to move forward with computerizing and improving the computer systems that they use for both um, healthcare and the benefit side of the, uh, of the VA. Um, as, as I know you know, the VA has three separate branches. One is the um, small branch that handles all the VA cemeteries around the country, uh, most uh, notably Arlington where uh, very important uh, soldiers and so on get uh, buried, but also there are a VA cemeteries in almost every state, not 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 literally every state, but almost every state, and the cemetery uh, group handles all of that. But the two big branches of the VA are the health care system. The VA actually runs the largest health care system in the entire country, and the uh, VA benefits system, uh, which uh, is second only to Social Security in size, and actually... Uh, is close to social security and payments, but uh, the uh, the purpose of this act is to audit all of the VA's software and hardware and talk about what needs to be done, A, to make it secure from hackers, and B, to upgrade it and improve it to the point it works effectively. And you may remember that we had talked um about uh, the VA's old system with uh, paper files and you know it's it's nice to see that they they really are taking this pretty seriously and and trying to move forward yeah
0: yeah you know what i think uh, i think you're right that that is uh, what do you call it uh Very, uh, I don't know. Very helpful, hopeful, and and, and very positive. They're trying to move forward with it, and and like you said, I mean, it's you know, the VA is not only the largest healthcare system, but it's also what the isn't it the second largest department in the government? I think. Uh, I mean, the DoD. What's that? Yes,
1: it's right behind DoD in
0: terms of size. Yeah, it's massive, and and um, you know, and, and it's just amazing that, that that you know what they're able to pull off. I mean, I know for year for years, uh, you know, we've been hearing about the VA's outdated paper claims, right? I mean, they're, they're still, you know, I, I know several years ago, years ago they discovered boxes and boxes of paper claims that had been misplaced or had been ignored or whatever the deal was right so again the va you know has done an extraordinary job with the systems they have which kind of you know brings me up to this question is um has there been any progress on the whole paper claim thing there there has um
1: uh, there's been um uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to describe exactly how to how, say this, <laughs> but uh, there has been progress is the short answer. Um, what's, what's going on right now is more um, that um, the VA has, has really been inundated with this whole new set of, uh, of claims from the PACT Act. So what, uh, what the VA is, is currently focusing on um in terms of claims is more about hiring than it is about um the computer systems they've they've done a a, a reasonable job bring the computer systems forward to uh, to handle claims but they're they're really um shorthanded literally in the in the personnel side uh so their um their goal is this at this point to uh, to hire uh, a a lot of people because the PACT Act alone, which we talked about, is expected to bring an additional 3.5 millions of veterans into the VA's healthcare system. And if you just stop and think about that, I mean, somebody has to put all that information in for every one of those people. And and 3.5 million people that's a lot of information that's got that's to get into the system. So, uh, you know, they're they're expecting uh, about a million claims based on the PACT Act. Um, they've already had over two hundred thousand claims submitted to this point, and obviously, there are more being submitted every day. So, what they're what they're focusing on right now, Bert, is hiring two. Thousand more people to process claims, um, and wow. they're uh, yeah, it's a lot of people, and they're they're hoping to bring on um, another 2,500 by the end of uh, this fiscal year. So you know, it's a it's a it's a big deal when uh, when they expand benefits like that. You know, they it it ripples all the way through the system, but right now. As I said, they're looking to hire thousands of new employees this year, and they are working on more ways to automate uh, as they as they implement the uh, benefits packages for these new claims that are created under the PACT Act. So, you know, it's uh, it's complicated, but they're working on it, um, and internally, of course, they're focused on. Training their existing staff on how to deal with these new claims and, and what they're uh, uh, what they're in particular uh, supposed to do with them. One of the one of the things that uh, I I think you and I in, in, at least briefly when we were talking about the PACT Act right after it passed is that under the PACT Act they are prioritizing benefits for veterans who are terminally ill and they started processing those claims last month. And so far, they have um, granted about 200 of those claims. Uh, they've got about 2,400 more to go, or people who are listed as terminally ill. But they've already paid out 3.4 million in benefits that had previously been denied to these folks and are now available under the FACT Act. So it's a, it's a really big deal. Uh, you know, most of these folks are are uh, older veterans as you can imagine. So there are a lot of folks who uh, fall in this category of terminally ill, thousands literally. And they're also uh, pr- trying to prioritize benefits for those who are homeless, uh, those older than 85, and you'd be surprised how many veterans there are that are over 85. And um, there's a special provision uh, in the VA law generally requiring them to prioritize uh benefits for anyone who was a medal of honor winner which is a, a nice thing yeah but uh, the VA is really uh, is really trying hard to focus on the on the hiring at this point that's their that's their current um weak point so they're working on that oh it's
0: amazing yeah yeah um that's, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think that the PAC Act probably, not probably, is going to help, and you're already seeing thousands of veterans being helped. Um, and I'm just curious, uh, with all, you know, with all the related problems, you know, as, as you just mentioned, they're hiring all these people and they're processing all these claims, uh, all these new PAC Act claims. How do you think the VA is going to be able to handle so many claims? Well, Bert, <laughs> slowly is, is,
1: <laughs> is the <laughs> honest answer. Um, but I mean, you, you have to give them credit. They, you know, they've been handed a, a huge task, and they're they're hacking away at it. the um, The first thing they've done is is to prioritize um, where. You know what what groups of claims they're going to handle first, and they've, as we as we touched on a moment ago, um, they've agreed to focus on people who are terminally ill and folks who are homeless and um, you know other groups, and they're they're just you know they're prioritizing the the claims, and then they'll just work their way through them. The the uh, the unfortunate side effect. If you're a veteran who already had a claim for benefits pending and that claim was denied and you've had to appeal is that now there are all these thousands and thousands of new claims being pushed into the same system. And of course, you know, it's like pouring water into a funnel. No matter how much you pour, only a certain amount will come out at the other end because of the size of the funnel. And right. so that's kind of what's happening with, uh, with VA claims at the moment. they the the other groups of claims are being slowed down until the um, impact of these additional folks uh, getting hired and trained actually comes to bear, and that's going to take a while so you know it's a it was already a slow system, and unfortunately it's now slower but the the uh, the bottom line is that the VA is trying to sensibly handle it. They've been given a big task, and they're they're working away at it. And I think it's just going to mean that these claims move more slowly. for For folks who have a claim that VA can really um, fit into a, a, a pigeonhole quickly, you know, those folks are, are going to get uh, get their claims resolved pretty pretty promptly. For others, unfortunately, I think it's probably going to push the the window, which is now typically five to seven years to get uh, all the pieces in an appeal completed up to probably um, more like six to eight years.
0: Wow. Wow. All right. So not to sound pessimistic or or, uh, negative or anything like that, but I'm listening to what you're saying and given so many new claims and in some cases you have an appeals in there, is it likely that all of these veterans will live to get their benefits?
1: Probably not. But uh, one, one good thing about that, um, there is a, a new law that uh, was sponsored by Representative Chris Pappas from New Hampshire uh, it's called the Faster Payments to Veterans Survivors Act, and that got signed just before the president left for the, his New Year's holiday vacation in McCoy. Uh And what it did was to require the VA to speed up processing of payments to survivors. Well, the, the the payments to survivors fall into a couple of different categories, but uh, the one that the v a has had the most problem with has actually been life insurance benefits payments to survivors and you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would be the case but uh, if you if you look at the whole uh, spectrum of veterans for a lot of these folks, this is insurance that they took out when they were in the military um, Typically, you know, it's about ten thousand dollars. Although they have they have raised the uh, the amount that veterans are eligible to, to get uh, over the years, but you know these are these are mostly older folks, of course. So this it goes back a lot of these are from World War II. And just just stop and think about it in a second. If you're 90 or 95 uh, year old World War II veteran and you die. You know, a lot of the people that you named as beneficiary, spouse typically, uh, have now either been divorced or died themselves, and so it's uh, it's actually a challenge for the VA sometimes to, to figure out where the people who are entitled to the money are. But this uh, yeah. this bill uh, this bill is uh, uh, on the you know, has, has has been signed and is being implemented, and it, it uh, cuts down the time that the VA is allowed to, to take to try and find those folks and make the payments. And just to give you a, a sample, uh, the last set of uh, numbers that I have were from September of 2020. At that time, there were 15,000 people who were entitled to uh, benefits, uh, life insurance benefits, and the total at that point was uh, $155 million. It worked out to a little more than uh, 10000 per family. But, you know, uh, 15,000 people that they just couldn't find to give the money to. Wow. That's incredible. 15,000
0: people?
1: Yep. That the, the government would like to give an average of $10,000 to, and they
0: can't find them. Wow, I wonder. I wonder if they could just, you know, I wonder if I could just receive that money in proxy or somehow. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to help our <laughs> government out as much as possible. <laughs> I,
1: I'm, uh, I, I'm sure that uh, they have
0: some provision for,
1: uh, for doing something with it, Bert. But you, you'd, you'd have to look into it whether you have any eligibility.
0: <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's incredible! Um, but you know what? I mean, you, you hear about this. Uh, you hear about uh, different mun- municipalities and, and government entities that that uh, I, I forgot what the term is, but it's it's basically uh, you know lost property or lost money where they hold it until somebody can make a claim, and, and it's just terrible that uh, you know fifteen thousand people isn't necessarily a lot in in, in the you know, because the VA services millions of people, but it's still money that these people rightfully deserve and, and it could probably use, especially now that uh, the economy is changing.
1: That's all true, Bert. And, you know, it, uh, as you say, you know, there are various systems for doing this. Uh, I I recently uh, went through that with uh, my mother who died several years ago and uh, the state government... Uh, uh, publishes, you know, this missing missing property kind of stuff. And lo and behold, my mother's name was in there, and I had to go and get a copy of my appointment as her personal representative by the probate court and submit all that stuff. But they, they eventually sent the money, so that was good. Yeah,
0: that was excellent, man. That's that's great. That's great. Francis, we're out of time. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for not only stopping by, but for taking care of our, our uh Our veterans, uh, these are, uh, in my opinion, uh, unsung heroes. A lot of these veterans are suffering in silence, and I I appreciate the fact that uh, veteransbenefits.com is stepping in and helping them out.
1: Thank you so much, Bert. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk about these
0: issues with you. Absolutely. Good stuff there. Thank you, Francis. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is a lawyer who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits. And if you want to support our troops, this is a really simple way of doing it. All you have to do is share this episode with everyone you know. If you happen to know somebody who's serving in the military, definitely tell them about veteransbenefits.com. Tell them about Francis Jackson and his team. Share this episode. Let us help them, or let Francis' team help them. It doesn't cost them anything to get a second opinion. It doesn't cost anything if they hire Francis Jackson, and Francis and his team will explain it to them. It doesn't cost them anything up front. It only costs them if they are able to help. And uh, and so I want to be clear on that. But bottom line is, if you know of anybody who's serving, if you know of anybody who has served, please share veteransbenefits.com. Let them know that in the event that they might need help collecting their benefits, there is somebody who's got their back. Francis Jackson is dedicated to this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just he, he doesn't stop. He's like the Terminator. He is, he's had claims that have lasted over a decade, and he is just plots along. He takes care of these guys. Um, and so anyway, Share this episode. Let's help as many people as we can understand about Veterans Benefits and veteransbenefits.com. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.